0: Welcome to Working Dog Radio, broadcasting the bite.
1: It's no secret that Eric and I love Ray Allen Canine Equipment. We use their products every single day. The mission statement says it all. To be a world leader in quality and innovation of professional canine equipment for police, military, Schutzen, and Ring Sport. To exceed our customers' expectations and to deliver on time every time at a fair price. We full-heartedly believe they held true to that since it's our go-to one-stop shop for everything. like They literally have everything but the dog, the handler, and the patrol vehicle. Everything else they got, they got it covered. So hit them up at RayAllen.com, at rayallenk canine on the socials. They got a new training app, and they got new product collaborations. Oh, and we have a new discount code, RAMWDR, like RAM, R-A-M, W-D-R, like Working Dog Radio, RAMWDR for 10% off. Hit them up, RayAllen.com. No secret that I love my ALM suit from Arno out at ALM Canine Equipment in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. I've had that thing forever. Eric affectionately refers to it as my Carhartt suit because it's so thin. <laughs> uh, I've had multiple sleeves put back on it, send it back to Arno. He fixes me up every single time. The fit and finish is top notch, and it fits me like a glove. I refuse to go anywhere without it. I work sport dogs and PSA without it. I just did a trial in California and wore that thing. I work police dogs pretty much every day of the week. And then I we use it for personal protection dogs as well. So hit ALM Canine Equipment up on Instagram and Facebook. And then go to ALM Canine, letter K number nine, equipment.com and use the discount code WD radio for 10% off of your first order. And this is completely custom. So made to measure, pick your colors, whatever you want to do. Arno will work with you. You can make it as thin or as thick
2: as you want, but hit them up. ALM canine equipment. Ever dreamed of having your own kennel, but don't know where to start? Horizon Structures has taken all of the guesswork out of building a kennel. Everything is pre-built to your specifications and preferences and then assembled and dropped off on your land. Boom, new kennel. Hooked up to your electric, hooked up to your water, put dogs in it that day. And those things are amazing. You've got to see them to truly Believe them. Get on the website, horizonstructures.com. You can custom build. You can buy one that's already built. Go off of their design. Come up with your own design. They'll work with you. Uh, They always are running discounts on the website with ready-to-go kennels. The kennels are already ready to go. There's always discounts. Horizonstructures.com. Check them out.
1: All right, Working Dog Radio. We are back. uh, Broadcasting the White Word Hits, 2023. Uh, I instructed this morning, and I got Eric with me instructing tomorrow, doing your e-caller thing tomorrow morning. So uh, we've been rocking and rolling. It's been fucking busy.
2: Yeah. uh, 8 a.m. I don't mind the 8 a.m. class. Some people don't care for it to teach it. It's all right. Um, So, yeah, every class, we were talking about that with Ted Doss. Every class is kicking ass, man. Like, everybody's. There's enough to go around. There's a lot of freaking people here, man. Uh, a lot of yep. handlers. A lot of it's it's good. Uh, what isn't good is I have this, uh, <laughs> this seven dollars seven dollar freaking energy drink. I'm like,
1: gosh, man, they get
2: you. They, There's something to be
1: said for a captive audience. Hotels and fucking airports. Yeah,
2: twenty two dollars <laughs> for a breakfast buffet this morning. Um, I didn't do it because I ate somewhere else, but uh, I'm still, probably tomorrow. I'm still gonna do it because it's <laughs> in the hotel, right next to the room that I'm teaching, so I can get down there and get my burps out of the way. <laughs> so uh yeah i'm doing my um removing conflict from your training class uh it's basically my e-collar without conflict but with different title for seminars because i can't actually work the dog so uh it's good i get this there's a lot of people so i put a poll up in the app that they're using do you have do you have conflict with your dog of any kind there's like 130 people and 65 percent of them said yes the other said no the ones that said no are lying. They have conflict. They just don't know <laughs> because I, for me, even anxiety, a dog anxiety is conflict if it's created by the relationship with the person. So I d- deep into that. And when I'm teaching that, you'll see guys going,
1: hmm. <laughs> they act like I'm, like, they're I'm like, you're, at you. they're, you're talking to yeah. me. They look right at you and they yeah. look around. <laughs> yeah. so what do we got going on so we have a guest that uh I, we i i've known about him for years and i tried to get him on we we're a blue line and i don't know what happened he was in uh, class like
2: a good student yeah. Ooh, <laughs> oh
1: yeah that's true but uh and we're teaching something different than he is here today we've got uh brad gillespie from uh north up canada this will be another canadian guest on so yeah brad what's going on man
0: oh uh, well, i'm just having a good time down here i'll tell you what for a Canadian guy. It's screaming hot, oh, dude. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Literally, I went for a walk yesterday, which clearly I don't do very often. And uh, they had talked about soles melting off your shoes, and and they melted off. Oh, it was unbelievable. It's... That's never happened in Canada one single time, yeah. ever. In <laughs> the history of the country. Yeah, every end, absolutely.
2: <laughs> Not from the weather. <laughs> this, this morning, Ted and I walked about a half a mile to uh, Einstein Bagels, drenched in sweat. We got back, I ate my bagel and took a shower. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah it was crazy. So tell everybody uh, who doesn't know you, uh, just a brief little history and we'll get into what you're teaching.
0: Yeah, um, so I kind of worked both military and law enforcement side. I've been in law enforcement for about 20, 29, 29 years, I guess. 25 of that, pretty close to that, has been in K9 and on the tax side. I worked in a municipal agency west, kind of a a real good spot for learning. Forest, pretty high crime rates. And then uh, I was a reserve status at that time with the military, I'd been in the, the Army and then the Navy. Um, I went active duty for just over a decade doing some canine stuff and, and then came back to law enforcement full time and I still work reserve status with the military and I work for um, a large provincial agency in, in Canada now as one of the two training coordinators For the province so it's it's,
2: i've been very very lucky so do you get to do uh training full-time for them are you still handling yeah so i i'm a pretend handler (laughs) (laughs) um you know i have i
0: keep a single purpose bomb dog that i'm still operational with and then i kept a spare dog um for our tactical teams we have three tactical teams and we keep integrated dogs into those outside of our patrol dog program so i managed one of those those were the two profiles that they had brought me in there to sort of manage initially um and uh yeah i'm just training up a another dog for myself but it's just uh, so i have a little bit of self-esteem but yeah. i'm a 95 percent 95 percent training other people
2: yeah Is he, do you have the worst trained dog in the unit
0: it's um the biggest <laughs> asshole right? dog for sure <laughs> you know i think you got to take you need to take your yeah you take the bad dog and see what you can do with them but it's hmm. as you guys know it's hard to find time when you're oh, you yeah. gotta prioritize everybody else first over your stuff so it's you always at the
2: end of the list <laughs> with Ted and I we've talked about this before you know Canada everybody's so nice everybody loves Canada Canadians and this and that you guys rock and roll with the dogs up there though like we're, we talked to a lot of guys who are getting at it
0: we're yeah. pretty lucky like it's um, because it is liberal and you know liberal it has lots of problems that I'm not mm-hmm. gonna try to defend but um, certainly in terms of know tracking with dogs and apprehensions we're we're pretty lucky across the board in terms of where you know we have where we're at with that and and very very busy we do have some very busy towns and Mm -hmm. uh yeah it's definitely we don't live in igloos and um (laughs) well some people Mm -hmm. do i guess but um and there's plenty plenty of crime to go around for sure
1: yeah i was just up in uh Winnipeg, or just outside of Winnipeg, and Brandon in October with the RCMP training. And so at HRDs, we talk a lot about Graham versus Connor and how deployment standards and all this other stuff. And like, I'm always shocked when the Canadians are on, they're like, yeah, well, we don't do that and so like i have this like whole truncated speech that i have for the canadian handlers i'm like i guess if they're arrestable they're here illegally they're like perfect we got it i'm like all right <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i was in vancouver in november doing some stuff vancouver your yeah, crew there yeah, yeah great crew that government that they have destroyed that city buddy. Yeah. that's depressing
0: yeah if anybody wonders if safe injection sites work (laughs) (laughs) just go take a look isn't that incredible yeah driving by and i'm like that's
2: nuts man but it is that's the thing so what are you teaching here
0: um i got two classes they're both tracking related one is uh specific to uh, the backup officers and kind of trying to deliver some principles for one or two officers up to the full tactical team and then the other classes specific to the canine training side. So the first one's really dealing with the human side of it and uh, human factors and considerations when we develop tactics. So we're not just kind of making stuff up in a classroom. How do we stress test them? What makes sense? What doesn't? Um, based on what we're probably going to do and not, not what we hope we're going to do from a human side. And then the other one is just dealing with the training of the dog, primarily focusing on tracking and how we do it and you know I'm just a village idiot but we've had some decent success with it so yeah it's just one way of doing things
2: I got into canine in '05, and the guys in Ohio where I'm from they talked about we, we used to go up every year and do ride-alongs with the Canadian dudes they just track like motherfuckers all the time like miles like there's our certification is hundred and fifty feet yeah, in yeah. A square hundred and fifty sorry 150 yards in a in a horseshoe, and they're like, no, we got a long way to go for our certifications. Um, so, a question about tracking: um, Ted and I teach tracking differently when it comes to hard surface. I teach more odor pooling. He he started doing a lot more of the actual tracking on hard surface. Where do you fall in that?
0: I think I kind of I'll be like uh, the middle ground on a lot of things. <laughs> Switzerland, a little bit. Like I I definitely. Here's what I tell people there's there's two learning there's two techniques that we need to make sure we're principles to follow with uh, teaching dogs tracking. Number one, we have to condition a meaningless odor to be meaningful like we do for everything and then we have to teach a dog to um, choose to follow that odor and not other odors so they, you know they have to be instrumental or operant on that. So that's my approach the techniques I vary a little bit on a hard surface tracking, What I I really try to stay anchored to, the known vice, the unknown, and I try to avoid misattribution um, in terms of where dogs are following scent. So, generally speaking for me, I want dogs to be pretty true to the scent in training and operationally, we have no idea, really, (laughs) where they were, what, what happened, you know. So, vice trying to guess, the only thing that I know for sure when we lay a track is where the where I laid that track, and I'm going to let the dog, you know, show me where he or she or whatever needs to be in relation to the source of that. But I view it like detection, in that in de- in detection, if we allow dogs to fringe odor all the time, they will fringe odor. If we force them in training to work their way to source, then then they will try to get to source. And I think that that visual helps me. So on a track. I want the dog to, to work his way. he's always trying to get to source and whatever that source you know whatever whatever that source is for him and, and on hard surface, the reality is is we just have a smaller window of time. there's less ground disturbance there um, and then the rest of it, once it starts getting off to kind of stuff that's a little bit magical. Um, I stay away from that if it gets too far off into, yeah.
2: into what people believe. When I'm training a tracking dog, and I laid the track, I know where the track is, I'm real big on keeping that, I call it in the meat, keeping that dog, based off of the, where the, which way the wind is going, where I believe is probably the most source. Do you find that you can kind of eliminate or, or lessen some of the almost in genetic, like, real big bracketing i try i I think i've had decent success at it you know the dogs that want to go i lost it shit oh there it is i lost it shit and they have like 400 heart attacks in a in a thing do you think that's possible or you just your genetics or wherever takes in there yeah
0: i I don't think it has anything to do with genetics i think it's just it's just training and it's like um again I, i metaphorically put a lot of stuff back to tracking. If we put five boxes in a room and we send the dogs into the room and say the order's in box number three. In many cases, the dogs check all five boxes and then they come back to the third box and we pay them for that. Well, we all know that we could stop that by if they check third box, the minute they went to the fourth box, we pulled them out of the room, we did that a couple of times, they wouldn't leave order. And on practical searches, they never leave it because it's just the expectation in those contexts of what we set for them. So if if we, tighten up I talk about making the classroom smaller keep the dog on the rails they're still discovering we can we can clean up a lot of that that bracketing stuff that's hard to read later like it's you know it's um, I ask everybody all the time what's the most important thing you need to know about tracking to catch bad guys and I believe the answer is it is my dog tracking or not <laughs> and so you know that's that's really as, as stupid as that sounds but So then to me all of my training is about that making sure that I get good head snaps that I have very demonstrative behavior not magical behavior or assumptions and that bracketing stuff man, that's That's tough to read when they're bouncing back and forth And I think it just becomes it's just a product of the learned behavior That you allow the dog to do if they learn from the beginning to bracket left and left and right, then they bracket left and right. If they, if we don't allow them to do that, we can tighten the classroom. I think it just comes from the dog having too many choices or too big of a choices to make too early on. They're not ready to make, um, you know, if you want a dog to go to a place board and you go to a room with a whole bunch of shit in it, they're gonna make the wrong choices because they're not ready for that yet. So you go to a very small room with a place board and they're gonna make the right choice and then we add, then we give them more freedom to make wrong choices and and tracking is the same way i I, initially i don't i don't let them have the room to make a lot of wrong choices and then then they have of course they have to later they have to make the right choice on their own in very contaminated areas but initially i i try to tighten up one of the things
1: i try and drive home to my new handlers when they start tracking when they leave school i say you know for your next Six, eight months, unless you actually deploy, I want all of your training tracks to be known. And I want you to continue to focus on knowing, like you said, mentioned, like recognize when he's fucking off and he's not tracking versus when we're actually in odor and then how to restart dogs, how to get back to where. Um, So they start checking and dog, like you said, they start running through contaminated areas or areas where we only have a certain number of choices to go and I um, assist a lot of the handlers Shoot, like I give them some handouts and stuff and say with wind direction and everything else I want you to lay tracks this way in this direction so that they focus a lot because what I find with new handlers is you know like you said we teach dogs to get as close to source as possible we want them working the highest odor we can and when we start letting them kind of veer off into la la land a lot of times handlers will you know, if we lay odor in a seam for explosives or narcotics, we expect the dog to be as close to the seam as possible. And a lot of times, handlers, even with environmental conditions, want to see that dog dead nuts on that individual track rather than a few meters off. And they're like, well, he's not tracking. I'm like, he's still i he's noticed still- you said meters because he's canadian <laughs> i crazy. do meters because well, it get makes the sense, fuck out of i never it. heard you say meters i say this shit all the time i say i say meters all the time now like weight uh, no i'll still I, use pounds I,
2: I, I use pounds kilograms doesn't make sense to me
1: but uh no so that's something that I, I focus a lot on too and you know explaining to them changes of behavior and tracking is not the same changes of behavior when dogs are in odor when they're working out when they're working detection work but at its core like you said odors odor and we make something meaningless meaningful
0: but if we put you know if you put odor out and detection in a, a drawer a top drawer and then you run a bunch of dogs and they're all banging the bottom drawer beside it we say okay well i mean and they go past where the source is or what we think is where where we assumed it was and they don't give it to us but they give it to us here we accept that and i take the same thing with tracking like i'm not going to hold the dog on to the track who wants to track four feet downwind, yeah, or if right. he's demonstrating that it's it's being captured, wherever that source for him is? I'm not going to fight with him, but I'm also not going to let a dog run around on a 30-foot leash, going in circles and Zicking sniffing off, walls yeah. and doing whatever, and then and then magically assign some sort of anthropomorphic reason to that about how is the wind pooling here and and just making stuff up. Then that and that's where I struggle with it is on that side and i'm a huge believer in master tracks but that's how you get stuff blown up i jerry bradshaw and i talked about that and it was like the social media warlords came Mm -hmm. master tracks i'm like well you need to build a rolodex like number one in canada for us with case law you have to be able to describe exactly your dog's demonstrative behavior on a track in terms of the evidentiary piece of it and how do you know what your dog looks like when you're tracking if you don't know where the track is it's it's you you have to do master tracks yeah. or, or or whatever you call
2: them. But. my my first unknown track when I'm doing it with a with a handler isn't even unknown. It's a unknown track, and I stay in the back. I don't, so they're just out there without me in their ear. yeah, Then maybe they see where I go and then i I dip. They kind of probably know where the track is. So that's my first unknown, and they're still nervous and of short, course, you well,
0: know, it's terrible, yeah.
2: So if I if I got a hold of your guys and talked to them, what are some Bradisms? What would they say? Like when it comes to tracking, what what are some things you say? Um, Everybody's got things. This guy's got a pile. For sure. Uh, Yeah. If
0: if you can't start, you can't track. Um, So everybody worries about tracking, but they can't get a track started. It's like you know a breaching plan. If you don't have a good breaching plan, it don't really matter how good your CQB is. If you can't get it out. So um, if you can't start a track, nothing else matters um turns are just starts and straight lines anybody can do them helen keller can track in a straight line so that sounds like you know it's a hundred <laughs> like it's just about turns it starts and turns and it's about figuring out when you're not tracking and how to get back on the track that matters way more than just being a hangover yeah. in a straight line i, I
2: tell you a trick i started doing um not a trick i guess a little uh Exercise. So you know, as oh, know handlers are going, say. as handlers are going, they start to get uh, bad habits, right? They go away from what we taught them in the beginning, right? And so, I was driving to work one day because I was just doing full time dogs for the department. And I said, "I want to make these some bitches track blindfolded today," and because uh, I told him, I go, "Remember, guys, your dogs tracking, hunting for the track, or dicking off." You you know. When he stops, you don't need to keep walking. And, but that's where they get into the bad habits. Dude, they all looked at me and rolled their eyes like this was the dumbest thing ever. And when we got done, they were like, that was some of the most valuable. Because it took them back. Yeah. All the way back. And you have to have a guy walk with them so they don't run into a, a telephone pole. And it's just an easy straight track, maybe a little around a, a corner. But it worked out really well. What do you do when... The hardest thing about working uh track training tracking dogs is when the handlers really start getting into it. And I'm a 30-foot leash guy. If I'm if I have dogs in my kennel and I'm training them, I'm actually using a 50-foot leash just because it makes me better at 30. Yep. But the handlers look like a monkey trying to fuck a football. How, how do you what's your do you have any not secrets, but how do you really teach that that long line? Are you a 30-foot guy?
0: Yeah, I I on course same thing. I start them on a 30 foot and it's so that they can rock a 20 foot no problem and and they're able to use a 30 foot. Where we run into struggles where we're at is we have some pretty heavily forested areas in you know and the province is huge um, and depending on we have a range of handlers that work municipal primary and municipal areas, and then folks that are you know up you know very far norther. Ontario which is just Canadian shield and really bad bush. So if you get too long of a line in there um, It can be problematic. I actually one of my favorite drills doesn't even have a dog when it comes to patterning I'm a big believer in just having a handler walk um, and We say track loss and I want that handler to walk and pattern where he would pattern his dog and then I I Believe in you know just visualizing what that line management feels like and looks like When they're with the dog and I've had pretty good success with that because if 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 we're having them learn to pattern and where to pattern When they've got a dog at the end of a line when they're brand new There's just this is too many things going too many things going on you can only kind of attend to one thing at a time and if they're paying attention to the dog they're not paying attention to where they're going or what it is that they're doing so i try the best that we can to separate that separate that out a little bit and it seems to help
2: one of the best movie lines that i quote all the time is if you can dodge a wrench you can dodge a ball <laughs> so if you can rock a 30 and you run a 30 you can crush a 20. i tell the guys that shit all the time because they, they as soon as they get out of class they want to do a 15-foot line um so out in deep into the bush do you guys ever work on like leapfrogging dogs for big long searches? Yeah, that I'm
0: a believer in in pushing over. We start pushing assets over and just cutting in areas where it's. Um, actually, I shouldn't say that. Municipal areas, I think it's reasonable too. But um, uh, in a municipal area, it's more about cutting so that we can tighten the containment up. Principally, I guess it is in the in, in the bush line too. But for sure, trying to get tracking teams out, of, out ahead, uh, they'll complete that. So it's not really doesn't if one team is tracking, you push, you know, the B team ahead. We still want the A team to track right up to where the B team intersected, but it, that helps close that time-distance gap a little bit, and we can start tightening the noose for, for then, sure. Do you have A
2: get up ahead and wait? Yeah,
0: as long if, if the best that we can, and sometimes that's ETVs or we're pretty lucky with air support or whatever. So, trying to push assets around right. that way.
2: Who is the lady? The San Bernardino lady. Uh, I was just thinking about that. I'm trying to remember her name. She's uh, San Bernardino County in California. She's a uh, She works there. She's a search and rescue okay. um, tracking uh, person. And She had a pretty good exercise where they do, uh, even if it's just like a big uh, urban square block area where the dog is tracking, and they pull the dog off the track when he's hot towards the end, and then yep. Team B goes and Team A leapfrogs. She said what she found is, when Team A picks it back up, that dog is fucking thirsty. Like, oh, look, because yeah. he... What, what the hell happened? He yeah. threw him in a car, drove him up there, and he comes out hunting. It, I haven't done that. I keep saying I'm going to do it, and I, I want to practice Yeah, it. I
0: haven't done that specifically, but I guess it's kind of a variable reinforcement yeah. construct, maybe a little yeah. bit with that. And, we do that. and
2: you push based on tiredness or, or...
0: Yeah, yeah, we... I mean, we've had operationally some pretty... Pretty long tracks in training. We go up to about um, five to seven kilometers uh, in length, so three four miles um, in a in a rural area, Mm -hmm. and then a mile and a half is their validation in the city. City, so the validation, rurally is um, about almost two miles, and then a mile about a mile in a level three, which is like residential and industrial, is. Is a little bit longer. How you far's yours?
1: In Oklahoma, uh, long, like well, I mean, longer I'll, than 150 yards. Cause oh that's yeah. all Well, we don't have a standard. We don't have a yeah, state standard for tracking, one. but our guys are routinely successful at distances yeah. over a mile. I mean, we one of my guys had a two mile track the other night and recovered a bunch of evidence at the same time that was related. Plus, they got information ring cam footage of a guy there right shortly before, and so. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about the dog side. Uh, the other thing that you're teaching here is like the cover guys, and you mentioned something earlier about some of the principles. so Let's talk about that side.
0: Um, yeah. So I think the we're pretty lucky in the organization that we're at. Sometimes it causes us grief, but we have huge support, backup support officers for for K nine outside of the outside of our tactical teams. We have a containment program that that also specialize in canine backup so there's about 250 officers that, that do that around the province and um, and one of their main jobs is doing canine support uh, tracking so the class I'm teaching will talk start with just some general principles and then and then human principles and understanding kind of the expectation of, of us as human beings and there's two things I tell people, the goal, of the, the goal of the training is this. I don't want you to shoot your buddy in the back, and if you can't see at night, a flashlight really helps. And, you know, that's that's basically it, you know. And, and a lot of um, tactics, or I don't even like the word tactics because it's now in the dog world, as you guys know, if it's not tactical, nobody even is interested. in Just operational work um, and things that come up as things get dangerous and a little bit hectic, you know, we start, I think it's really important to take human factors into account and, and what people are gonna see, what they're not gonna see, how to use flashlights. You know, uh, you know, Bill Lewinsky and Forest Science talks about teaching people how, what, where, when, and why to look and see to actually get ahead of things. Um, and just kind of applying some of those concepts and principles to our backup officers and not just, not just making shit up and hoping it works. You know, unopposed tactics are irrelevant because it just would have worked out. Um, really stress testing things, different some different training things. Some of the stress vest stuff is really good for that because I, I get really nervous with projectiles mm-hmm. uh, around dogs. And I know some folks are big on sim or paintball and paintball IEDs and all these sorts of things that are launching plastic balls around dogs. I'm like, dude, you are, Take somebody's eye Take a dog's eye <laughs> take Yeah. A dog's eye, a Eric
1: and lot of I constantly around. talk about that, like wanting to people wanting to run sim rounds and stuff with dogs, and I'm like, they don't understand how guns work. It's not for them anyway, and you're gonna end up shooting them in the face. Yeah. And that was in
2: New York. That happened at, uh, at the street tactics. Uh, yeah. My buddy went in there with his dog, and he was real apprehensive, and he came out. His dog had a fucking big. Get shot right next to his eyeball.
0: For no reason. Yeah. You know, it's it breaks stuff up into components. And, I mean, the Hockey Night in Canada is one day a week, or I guess football, I guess that's on Sunday, right? Mm. Sunday. Yeah. I mean, the rest is, there's no NFL teams scrimmaging full-blown games every day. No. We could <laughs> break stuff into components and run it and understand that, okay, if you're worried about target acquisition and hitting things, that's one thing, and you probably don't need a dog there for that. And there's ways we can run blanks, secure blanks, or stress vest systems that are very, very good around dogs, very safe, and can start putting a little bit of stress onto people. And it's amazing once you start cranking pain, pain penalties up and other things, how, <laughs> how people slow down and start yeah. paying
2: attention to what's going on. So I have one more question. Um, I don't know what made me think of this, but so I got into, into the canine in 05 and we met this dude at the Pentagon. We went down there for a little break and he was a bloodhound guy, right? He was a Pentagon cop he had an article on the front page of the uspca website for like two years and it was all about reading the dog's negatives the dog showing you where the guy is not and i found out dude i tried and tried to to use that it's something you it's i find it to be too much to put on new handlers and for guys to they're they're having enough trouble do you ever dick with the negatives part of that
0: like in terms of, well, I don't think in the context of that, that series was talking about, I think, I do think that uh, using a dog is as much about precluding somebody being in a spot as, as is lo- locating somebody. I do, um, in track negatives and reacquisition, I do do that. We start building duration out in terms of casting a dog before he acquires the track, so they need to be able to. You know, they're not validated on it initially, but probably 50 to 100 meters, they should be able to cast a dog in a negative area before they, before they pick that up, but um, not as much early on in in that bloodhound context of what, what they were talking about there.
2: Where do you f- fall on the hounds?
0: So... Uh, I guess I
2: had two questions. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so I don't know. Try to avoid my house getting burnt down or anything, but I, um, I I think dogs are dogs, and all dogs can track. And um, I've I've traveled and attended some bloodhound training in the U.S. We don't have any of it in Canada, um, so I have an opinions on what I saw. Maybe I just didn't understand what I was seeing, um, and I think obviously there's some bloodhounds that can track. To say that, do I think that bloodhounds just track? No, I don't think that their ears are there to hold scent down by their nose either. I think somebody just made that shit up. Um, I just think they have big floppy ears, and uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, we, you know, we use a lot of Malinois Shepherd crosses mostly, um, just because of the health issues with shepherds over the years. But we tend to use Pointer track dogs and lots of Pointer dogs and track very, very well for a really, really long, long way. For us, it's. I, I'm just not. I'm not ready to give up um, on criminal. We have a number of, so we use floppy ear dogs for our search and rescue dogs, and one of the fellows I work with are, is responsible for, for that training program. The tracking and searching is done the same way our pointy ear dogs are. They don't bite, so we have it for that piece. I'm just not prepared to give up the criminal apprehension side of the day that were to happen this is the day I, do something else, I yeah, guess. But yeah. yeah, it's not really. It's as an or, as a community in North America, we're going to do that to ourselves. But um, mm. <laughs> um, I, I hope not. I hope it's not in my time frame. Yeah. But yeah. So I, I, for me, tracking people is about criminals and and,
2: well, and with Ted people. and I are exactly the same on that. Uh, I, I do not I want to track a, a criminal with a non-biting dog although bloodhounds are assholes some of them and yeah. will bite you uh, i got bit two times at a, at a training session by the same uh bloodhound she ripped my pocket off my pants and i'm like can you please keep this dog from biting me what's your experience like i i've found them would be maybe it's just
0: not a lot of external motivation with them and and so very hard to train unless they it's an exception to the rule but a lot of you know if you if you don't want anything that i can offer you mm-hmm. and i don't know i think I, there's I a lot
1: to... of myth around those dogs about them tracking for the sheer tra- pleasure of tracking um i kind of believe that dogs are some of the most selfless creatures on the planet and every action they do has some sort of benefit in their yeah, mind yeah and so you're 100 percent right motivating those dogs can be a challenge um and then from my perspective as a trainer I don't really find that as a problem, but as sending that dog out into the world with a handler that has to constantly maintain motivation versus you get, you know, fucking radar ears, dogs that don't need any motivation. We have to demotivate. Being awake is a motivation. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, it makes me cringe a little bit when I have departments, um, Ask me to do a single or like a single purpose tracking dog or like a, a drug dog with tracking too, and I'm like, I won't do it, it. It makes me, and, and I kind of talk to him a little bit, and they're like, well, we promise not to track criminals. I'm like, you are a police department. <laughs> like, how many runaways you have? Your <laughs> only fucking job is finding criminals. Like that is like that's in the name, law enforcement. So <laughs> and and like you, I you know, and I have a really really good friend um, in Oklahoma, he was a Ranger. Uh, we've had him on the podcast. Mick, uh, it's probably like the world adult hide and go seek champion. Uh, he was part of that task force 81 during the first Gulf war and looking for Saddam's deck of cards dudes and a great visual tracker. And, um, I I always kind of like go default back when he and I kind of have conversations and I say to him, I'm kind of like, you know, when we have a single purpose dog that tracks and we find somebody, then what? And what are we going to do? What are you going to do? I mean, you have effectively taken the handler out of the equation at that point. And like you, I'm kind of unwilling to, I'm very reluctant to send dogs out like that with handlers and just kind of let them go out. And I'm like, you're going to be tracking violent motherfuckers that need to be bit a lot of the times, or at least need need some sort of persuasion to be detained. And it's not going to be, you know... A floppy eared German shirt-haired Pointer, not anything wrong with pointers, yeah. or a Bloodhound convincing somebody to give up that's not so because they're licking them in the face, and it's a thing like in there's a there's a cultural thing like in the South, like Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, Georgia like that have like the tracking teams, um, and that I don't really have a ton of problems with, but you're still removing a force option, which still makes me kind of hon- wonky, um, but they at least have support tracking, which I'm a little more comfortable with that, but the vast majority of handlers in the country aren't getting support like that and that dog is a force option and now we've removed it so then what do we do but well, even if it's it.
0: not the force piece is i mean that apprehension part and where i struggle a bit is the line between our sar dogs and our police dogs I, I guess they're all police dogs but but and what line is that like we have a heavy sar role in our agency and it's it's important there and it's a police function in canada but the line between SAR and then mental health, and when does that go from SAR to apprehension, and and the keep the ability to, you know, I, I, where I've sort of settled is SAR is for people that we think want to be found, and for everybody else, we need to apprehend them. And there and are if people they that don't away, know they're lost. They're like, hundred percent, absolutely. You are. Yeah, you are. But how do you <laughs> apprehend? Like, if you, you know, find, fix, flank, and finish, and that fixed piece. You just track somebody and they run away again. Track somebody run away, like we have a, we have to apprehend them at some point and and that doesn't always have to be a bite, but that ability from a distance to safely apprehend somebody I think is nothing I'm really ready to give up on just yet.
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm <clears throat> so my agency was real busy. Uh, we had six dual purpose dogs and we got a bite a week. Not every dog, but as a unit. When I was there, two of my guys had 150 and 175 bites with their two dogs. Hundred of them with tracking. I'm always going to stick with just a shepherd or a good tracking cross dog or whatever, and because um, that shit's real. Like, yep. the, well, the one guy got nine from tra- nine bites from tracks in like a week and a half. Just kept biting, handcuff a guy to a fence, track, bite his buddy, handcuff, and, and it was crazy. So, well, I'm sure glad you came on, man. Yeah. Um, like That's we nice. said, you're tough to hold down because you're in classes, even though you're here, which I love. I love. Yeah. Guys that have been around for a long time, still learning and picking stuff up. And.
0: Yeah, you got You got to sit. The, the The purpose of coming to teach these is so you can sit in other Sitting people's for, classes. Yeah, and yeah. Sit <laughs> Not That's have to pay I for did. it. I sit yeah. So I can sit in other people's classes, guys. I don't want to. Well, I don't know why anyone wants to listen to me babble, but I definitely like to listen to other people talk for sure.
2: I do. Well, we appreciate it. Uh, things are you just going back back to work back to the yeah media. yeah.
0: We got uh, some courses some courses running right now. We have uh, seven eight. 11 dogs kind of just started their tracking side of their course uh seven are brand new and then a couple of reteams that started three weeks ago mm-hmm. so yeah i'll go back and bang bang cool. through that and chip away for the next few months helping the guys with that
2: you're just gonna do it till you just one day say yeah i'm over it
0: i think so yeah, yeah. i don't That's know They'll I, have you right as long as they'll keep me there we're pretty lucky at, at, i'm lucky the spot that i'm in i'm very very fortunate and I can hold that spot for a while nice. and it's still fun for me. So uh, there's no, no point moving on t- until it's time to go, yeah. really, which who knows when that'll be, but well, thanks.
2: No, thanks you for having me guys. I
0: appreciate it. Thanks All guys.
2: Right. And new advertiser guys, Rex specs. We love them. They believe that any adventure worker play is better with a dog by your side to keep them protected and with you, no matter what Rex specs, designs and manufactures. Performance-driven dog gear for the active and working dog, 20% off your first order discount code, working dog radio. This show is Doctor Eric
1: and I are actually both field staff guys. So a uh, doctor has been committed for over 20 years to crafting training college to perfect precise fit and finish and in intuitive design and, account- and accountable performance. The 1900 SE collar demonstrates what they strive for, which is an ultimate dog training tool that is durable, dependable, and designed for the most demanding conditions. And I actually use this thing at the kennel. They have the new black one that has the lock and the boost feature on it as well, as well as the hands-free, which we use a ton. If you guys follow me on social media, you see that I use that during tracking. We do that negative reinforcement trick, which is what the the collar that we're using. The other thing is the YS600. So funny fact: It stands for, yo, shut up the number of times <laughs> that you won't have to say it because it works every time. So use the discount code WDR one zero for 10% off any single item over 200 bucks. And of course they also have the popper and the dropper, which I think I have five of that can I use all the time. So hit them up. Dogtra.com WDR one zero for 10% you guys. Be sure to check out Ray Allen manufacturing's new training app that they've got iTunes store and the android store uh new product collaborations um be sure to check it out we also got a new discount code ram r-a-m-w-d-r ram w-d-r for 10 percent off rayallen.com you got your reasons i got my wants still got that feeling but i'm too old to die